Please stand for worship. Let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Old Testament reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 8. The whole commandment that I command you today you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot, foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, from 1 Timothy 2, Paul says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, 
the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. gospel reading in Luke uh, 17, uh, Jesus is traveling in between Galilee and Samaria, and he runs into uh, these 10 lepers who are on the outside, outskirts of their village, uh, which is where uh, lepers would be required to be since they were ritually unclean. And uh, they holler out to him. They don't even approach him. They holler out to him, have mercy on us. And he does. He heals them. He actually doesn't heal them on the spot. He tells them to go, uh, go see the priest. Uh, which is what you would do if you were healed. It, was, it would be the priest, not as a, a medical procedure, but the, it was the priest's job to determine that you would be allowed to enter back into the normal life of society. So uh, the priest, uh, they're on their way to see the priest, and on the way they get healed. Jesus heals them. He heals all 10 of them. He heals them because they have faith. Uh, we know this because uh, he actually says at the end, uh, go your way, your faith has made you whole or your faith has made you well. The ESV says literally in the Greek, it says your faith has saved you. Uh, but we, we can also see their faith in action. Their faith, they, they call out to Jesus. That that's, you know, sometimes you think of faith as this, like this power inside of me, or this, like I have like this liquid faith inside of me that sometimes it's real high and sometimes it gets low. You know, my faith is low. Actually, faith is just, faith is just knowing where to call out to out to for help. That's all it is. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not ever perfect. It's frequently mixed with weird and bad and ugly motives. 
but calling out to the one who you think can save you. That's what faith is, and that's what they do. You can also see that their faith, not just in who they called out to, but in their obedience. He says, go to the priest, and they didn't say, well, but I'm not cured, I can't go. They just believe that if Jesus says this is good, that it's good. And so they start off to the priest, even though they aren't cured yet. So they, they, who do you call out to when you need help? Who do you obey? These are two good clues for um, you know, where your faith is. That's, that's Christianity 101, salvation by faith alone. All right, yeah, that's, 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 that, that gets you in the door. And Jesus healed all 10 of these guys because they had faith, right? But what we want to do tonight is to take this a couple of levels deeper. We want to take the Christian life from Christianity 101, and we want to get closer and closer to the heart of God. And we can be helped here by this one Samaritan guy. All right, so the 10, actually, let, let me read this a little bit to you. Let's go, uh, go back here to the section, verses 15 through 17, 15 and 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. The nine, they got what they wanted, right? They wanted their bodies to be healed. They wanted to be able to go home and live with their wives and their kids. They wanted to be able to go worship in the community. They wanted to be able to go in the marketplace and buy and sell and make money. They wanted their lives back. It's a totally appropriate thing to want. And Jesus gave it to them. Why? Because, well, A, he's a loving God. B, they believed, they, they came to him for help. And he helps whoever comes to him. He doesn't question motives. He helps whoever comes to them. But the one comes back and takes it to a deeper level. He gives thanks. See, faith acknowledges the giver. Faith, that's, that's enough to get you into the kingdom. Faith acknowledges the giver. Thankfulness values the giver. But both of them are important. But thankfulness is actually deeper and closer to God's heart. Faith acknowledges the giver. They knew that Jesus could help them. But thankfulness actually comes back and says, okay, you know, you've given me my life back. I'm about to go, and tonight I can eat dinner with my family. Tomorrow I can go into the marketplace. Next weekend I can go into synagogue and worship. But before any of that happens, before I get to experience the gift, I've got to come back here and say thank you to you for doing it. See what I'm saying? Faith acknowledges the giver, but thankful. Faith acknowledges the giver, but thankfulness values the giver. Well, last year, Angela and I, uh, somebody in the church invited us out to dinner, and we went to a place that all four of us, uh, like the couple that we went with, and um, Angela and I, we all like this place. And we went there, and of course, we talked about the food while we were there, and you know, tried each other's food, and it's all delicious, and we were talking about it. And on the way home, Angela said, you didn't say thank you to them one time for buying dinner for us. And I was like, I, you know, kind of self-defensively, I said, well, I mean, I, I talked about how, you know, we talked about how good the food was. And she was like, no, you didn't even say thank you to them, though. See what I had done? I had acknowledged the giver. I had acknowledged the gift. I had valued the gift even to some extent. But I hadn't valued the giver yet. I hadn't yet made the move to value the one who is giving the gift for us. This is, an, this is like, this is one of the often missed parts of Christianity in our churches. Like, it's, we, we, we acknowledge the giver, and we acknowledge the gift. We even value the gift to some extent. But 
for a lot of us, it's just purely transactional. Jesus says, I have to get baptized and believe. He paid the penalty on the cross. I put that into the vending machine. I get the salvation out, and here I am. And we wonder why, look, I, don't, I, I, should, I, I should be experiencing something more if Christianity is real. We haven't yet moved from faith to thankfulness. Thankfulness is not something different than faith. Thankfulness includes faith, right? You can't be thankful to somebody who you don't believe actually gave you the gift. But thankfulness takes it one notch deeper. It starts to value the giver more than the gift. Worst case scenario, so this is, uh, worst case scenario, this is actually at the heart of the deepest and darkest depravities of human culture. Romans 1 tells us this. Where does, sexual, where does slavery to sexual sin come in? Where does that come from? Where do fightings come from? Where does gossiping come from? Where does hatred of parents come from? Romans 1, Paul insists that it comes from a culture that values the creation more than it values the creator, that values the gift but does not value the giver. Best case scenario, it's just cold-hearted Christians who don't, I mean, they were kind of locked into this whole Christianity thing. But we don't yet know, like, I should be feeling something more. And I think that this Samaritan leper can point us to this second, more intimate level. Moving from faith to thankfulness. When you come into church, moving from, oh yeah, I believe this stuff. I believe in God the Father Almighty, etc. To, like, God, thank you so much for being you. Thank you so much for being a God, who, you God, for saving me. Move past, thanks for my salvation, to thanks for being a God who saves. This makes sense? This is the second level. Okay, so the one, what's what I'm saying. The one wasn't just interested in the gift. The one wanted the giver. The one wasn't just interested in being healed. The one, the Samaritan, wanted Jesus. That's thankfulness. There's a third level, which is even deeper yet. This is the goal that God has for all of us. And that's to move from faith to thankfulness to praise. Look back at verse 17, 15 and 16, I'm sorry. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Verse 18, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this former? He falls down at the feet of Jesus because he's thankful for Jesus. It goes beyond that, though. He's actually in love with Jesus. He's actually adored. This is what, you know, I might be thankful for some food that you buy me, but I don't fall down on my feet, fall down at your feet. And this is what this guy does. He's in love with Jesus. This is, this is moving, so if, if faith is acknowledging the giver and thankfulness is valuing the giver, praise is adoring the giver. Praise is being in love with the giver. And cold-hearted worship, what's behind that? Empty feelings about God and your relationship with Jesus, what's behind that? Well, you're probably still content with Christianity 101. You healed me? Thanks, I'm out of here. Instead of moving to thankfulness and then moving to praise. God, this is, by the way, this is, this is what God wants. Right? This is like the whole point of salvation is that God wants to be praised. God wants you to glory, God wants you to make a big deal of him. That's what the whole back, back end of the book of Psalms is. It's just one Psalm after another that's filled up with the command, praise the Lord. God is saying, praise me, make a big deal out of me. Does this sound insecure of him to you? Does this sound arrogant? Does this sound maybe even needy on his part? Anybody who's ever had a kid leap into their lap and throw their arms around him on Christmas morning knows exactly what God's talking about here. You give your kid a gift. You want your kid to enjoy the gift, right? But what you want is your kid to leap into your lap and love you for giving the gift 
Not because you're needy, not because you're arrogant and in my house I'll be loved by everybody. Not because you're somehow insecure and I don't know if they love me and I better give them expensive gifts so they love me, but because you want them to know that when you gave them that gift, the gift itself was a conduit to show your intense pleasure and satisfaction in them. And when they turn their back on the gift, leap into your lap and throw their arms around you, you know they got it. That the gift, that's great. You can play with the gift you know, the rest of the day. But if your initial reaction is, Dad, I know that you love me. I know this came out of a heart of love for me. I'm gonna put the gift behind me and I'm gonna come and give that love back to you. That's what, that's what the leper's tapping into here. See what he's tapping into is not Jesus as transactional, not Jesus as vending machine, but Jesus as a personal God who loves him. He is moved from faith to thankfulness right into adoring Jesus. And this is our goal. This is our goal for our kids at Christmas. This is God's goal for each one of us is to move, I mean, this is why we're talking about this tonight, right? To move from our faith in Jesus to thankfulness for what he's done and who he is to adoration and praise. C.S. Lewis talks about this in his book, uh, Letters to Malcolm. He's talking about this transition from enjoying God's good gifts but to looking on the other side of those good gifts to the giver who gives them and learning to love and praise him for being the great giver. And he says this, gratitude exclaims, this is thankfulness, gratitude exclaims, this is our second level, gratitude exclaims very properly, how good of God to give me this. That's, that's, so, that's, such, a, that's such a good thing to say. That's such a good step away from, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God the Father, I believe in the Trinity, to God, thank you so much for what you've done for me. But th- here's the other step. If gratitude exclaims, how good of God to give me this, adoration, praise, love, says, what must be the quality of that God who's far off and momentary flashes of light are like this? What kind of God would give me intense pleasure over small little things? What kind of God would be concerned about my loneliness? What kind of God would let me taste good food and be like, this is really good? What kind of God would invent food and invent a tongue just to give me pleasure? That's the kind of God I can love and worship and praise forever and ever. That's the kind of God I can fall in love with. This is the goal here is to move from faith to thanksgiving to praise. This is our goal for our kids, right? When, this, when, this, when, we, when we end up living in that journey, the journey headed towards praise, we will finally realize what it actually means to be saved by faith, to be living a life connected to God through Jesus Christ by faith. And we will learn that the praise is what we were actually designed for. It's perfectly natural. We were programmed for this. And when, we don't, when, we aren't, when we're in the life of faith, but we haven't moved to the life of thanksgiving and praise, there's going to be an emptiness. There's going to be something's missing here because you aren't being what you were programmed for. What you and every other part of your life are completely comfortable with. Again, uh, from C.S. Lewis, I apologize for the C.S. Lewis heavy illustrations in my sermons. This is from his reflection on the Psalms where he's talking about praise. And he says this, the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, praising God or praising anything at all, strangely has escaped me up until now. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. Praise is like giving compliments or approval or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. Every time you enjoy something, it spontaneously overflows into praise. The world, he goes on to say, the world rings with praise. Lovers praising their lovers. Readers, their favorite poet. 
Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. Praise of weather. Praise of wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. And I hadn't noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely, they might say. Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmist, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. You see what he's saying? When you love something, you naturally praise it. And if we don't find our hearts rushing to praise the God who saved us, it's because we've somehow drifted away from the realization that he's the type of God who loves us and wants to save us. It's turned into a transaction. I don't don't praise my CPA. I I don't praise the girl at Circle K from whom I buy my soda. She's just doing what my dollar whatever uh, does whenever I pay her. My CPA is just doing, my plumber is just doing whatever I hired them to do. And when I start to think of God as this, I drift away from the praise that I naturally give when, I, when, I, when I'm with somebody or I do something that I really, really enjoy. Praise is what we naturally do with these things, with people that we love. And God commanding us to be thankful and praise him is not his neediness. It's not his insecurity. It's not his pettiness. It's his desire that we find as much pleasure in him that he finds in us. He wants you to leap onto his lap and throw your arms around him and say, thank you for the gifts. What kind of God would do this for somebody like me? C.S. Lewis goes on to say this, and then we'll be done. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete, until it is expressed. Do you feel like there's something missing from your Christianity? It might be because there is. The delight is not yet complete because you have not yet expressed it. I'm not saying you haven't experienced it, but in thankfulness and praise, you have not said, God, you are an unbelievable God, and I can't help but like praise you and tell everybody I know that you are a God who loves me absolutely and has given me all kinds of good gifts, including the gift of salvation. Let's think, let's think about this. Let's think about that, this Thanksgiving holiday. Not just saying to God, thank you for the good gifts, but saying, God, you're a magnificent God who loves us. Let's pray. Stand with me and let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you and praise you this evening for all the good gifts that you've given us. And it's, it would be so easy to rattle them off right now uh, to create some sort of laundry list of your good gifts and to think of it as... Uh, maybe in some sense uh, keeping a correct inventory with you uh, so that we, you and I can be on the same page with what you've done for me. But help me to move past that tonight in this Thanksgiving and always to a heart that truly is thankful and truly is in love with and praises and adores you for your good gifts. The simple things, the sunbeam that Lewis has talk, talks about, the rare stamps, the food, the motors, the colleges that we love, whatever it is, God, we thank you for those things. We thank you for the houses that you've provided us with. We thank you for the clothes that we're wearing, the food that we're going to eat. 
We thank you for the cars that we drove here, and we thank you for all the gifts that you've given us, not because we love those gifts, but because now we realize that you, the gift-giving God, love us. Lord, in your mercy. Father, even more importantly, we thank you for the friends that you've given us, the family that you've given us, uh, the memories of family and friends that we've had before who are now gone. We thank you for our church family. We thank you for the body of Christ here and that we can be completely accepted and loved but by you, yes, but by other human beings here at this church through you. God, this is a sign that you love us. It's a sign that you've saved us. It's a sign that you are a gift-giving God who passionately cares for us. And so we thank you for it tonight, and we praise you for it. Lord, in your mercy. Most of all, Father, we thank you for rescuing us uh, from our brokenness. We thank you for writing us into your story, the story of your salvation. We thank you for the promise of new creation. We thank you for the mission that you've given to us to participate with you. Not because you need help, but because you love us and you love us being along with you on your mission. Help us to live this new creation life for your glory and out of thankfulness and praise for you loving us enough to include us in it. Lord, in your mercy. We pray all these things only in the name of your son, Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen. And now let's pray together in Jesus' name, the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.